From coast to coast to coast, you're listening to Terra Informa. You're listening, you're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Terra Informa. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Skylar Lipman. And I'm Sonic Patel. We'll be your hosts for the next half hour of environmental news and stories. This week, we're looking at orphan wells in Alberta. What they are, how they happen, why they are a problem for Albertans, and what we can do about it. Before we start our episode, we would like to acknowledge that we are situated on Treaty 6, the historic and present territory of Cree, Métis, Soto, Dene, and many other First Peoples that live and gather here. The lands of the place we now call Alberta have been the homes of these groups for millennia. Alberta is now home to many resource extraction activities that scar the land and violate treaty rights of Indigenous peoples. As you listen to this episode, we hope you think about relationships between yourself, this land we live on, and the many people, including Indigenous peoples, who have and will continue to live here. We also hope you think about how we can endeavour to be kinder to this land and people on it. Alberta has been home to fossil fuel extraction for a long time. From the discovery of natural gas in Medicine Hat and Turner Valley, to oil being found in the Duke in 1947, to the relatively recent technologies allowing for viable extraction of oil from the Athabasca oil sands. This long history of fossil fuel extraction has left very physical traces across the landscape of the province. Much of oil and gas extraction requires drilling a well into the ground to reach subterranean fossil fuels. Under provincial regulations, these wells are supposed to be reclaimed once they reach the end of their productive lifespan. But in some cases, reclamation doesn't happen, leaving a substantial number of wells dotted across the Albertan landscape. There are a lot more of these orphan wells than you might think, and they are a much bigger problem than you might expect. To help us break down the problem of orphan wells in Alberta, we sat down with two special guests. Hi, my name is Morgan Simpson Moran, and I'm an analyst at the Pemina Institute. Hello, my name is Daniel Schiffner. I'm currently a master's student at the University of Alberta in the Department of Resource Economics and Environmental Sociology. Working at the Pembina Institute, Morrigan has co-authored a primer on orphan wells to provide key information to landowners that have to live with orphaned wells on their land. Dan has spent years working in the oil and gas industry and is now researching opportunities to repurpose orphan wells for geothermal energy production. We should note that Dan is a fellow student in the same department as myself and Sonic. So let's talk about the orphan well issue in Alberta. How exactly does a well get orphaned? Here's Morgan talking about how a well becomes orphaned and what the industry is doing about it. There's a given reality that for the vast majority of wells in Alberta, of course, there's a few exceptions. Um, anything that is drilled is going to have to be cleaned up. And it's kind of the same thing our parents used to tell us when you were, we were little, you know, clean up the mess you make type uh, type situation. But this, and it's it's within the company's responsibility to take care of it. So they're supposed to, you know, pay for the end of life care all the way up to reclamation. And basically what cropped out of this 
was a little safety net called the Orphan Well Association. And they were meant to care for any wells that would fall out of a company's care because say, for example, it went bankrupt. So they were meant to collect those few wells, take care of their end of life responsibilities and, uh, and care for them, clean them up, so on and so forth. And what we've seen is more and more wells are falling into the responsibility of the Orphan Well Association, perhaps more than was initially expected and at a faster rate. So to go back, um, a well becomes orphaned typically because a company has gone bankrupt. As per bankruptcy regulation, which are established under federal jurisdiction, a firm that declares bankruptcy is allowed to renounce its liabilities, including unproductive wells. This might sound like a rare occurrence, but there are thousands of orphan wells in Alberta. So much so that the Alberta Energy Regulator estimates the cost of reclaiming all the wells at $58.65 billion. The Alberta Liabilities Disclosure Project, a consortium of landowners and scientists, estimate the high end of the cost at $70 billion. Orphan wells are a growing issue, and wells continue to be orphaned as the oil and gas industry faces economic volatility. As Morrigan explains, the public also needs to be aware of the concern of inactive wells. So orphan wells in themselves, huge problem. Something that has to be paid for, you know, it is, it's quite concerning when a company goes bankrupt and just walks away from its responsibilities. But that's really only the tip of the iceberg. A figure we hear a little bit less about, but that I personally think is one of the most important sides of this whole discussion, is inactive wells. So we've got a few thousand orphan wells in the province, a good number. Um, however, we're getting close to 96,000 inactive wells. So an inactive well is a company that, or a well that still technically has a company that's responsible for it but it's not producing any, uh, any oil or gas, so it's not a profitable well. And these wells present a added risk because an orphan well might be along any, any point in the end of life care. So they might have had a little bit of or a little bit of decommissioning work on them to make sure some like very basic safety stuff is taken care of. An inactive well frequently has had none of this done. They're just sitting there idle, not producing. So we've got 96,000 of these roughly, and these are all, a lot of them are owned by companies that might not be able to input the money to operate them right now. So there's a huge risk of a bunch of these becoming orphans. With any orphan and with the inactive wells as well, you've got, you've got two sides of the issue. So you've got the the liability issue, sort of the taxpayer issue of we've got a massive amount of dollars that need to go into this to clean this up. And then you've got the more day-to-day -day issue, which is the issues landowners face. Orphaned wells are often located on rural land, where they present substantial environmental and emotional concerns to local ecosystems and populations. When this isn't going on and wells are sitting there in perpetuity, any number of environmental concerns can arise. So whether that's a well leaking methane, whether that's damage being done to surrounding aquifers, and then that's got huge implications for local community health, for livestock health, 
or it's, you know, it's things that folks might not consider as much, such as weeds on the well site that become an issue with, again, farmers, their crops. So there, there's a huge number of little issues that can pop up, but I think, well, little and huge issues that can pop up, but I think what's really important here is that it's the landowners and the surrounding communities really first bearing the brunt of that. Part of the challenge of orphan wells are the regulations around fossil fuel wells. Dan and Morgan both identified some issues with the way wells are regulated. Part of the issue is that provincial regulations stipulate that a well must be cleaned up, but they don't mandate any specific time frame for when, for when this has to occur. Now this is done actually for legitimate economic reasons. You know, if a well has stopped producing, oftentimes it's not that there's no more oil and gas left, it's that it can't be produced economically. It's currently costing more to produce every barrel than they're getting in return. So they'll shut in a well. So the reason that lack of timeline exists is that theoretically it allows any one of these wells to be turned back on in the future when the economics look a little bit better. And this helps us to maximize our resource. And again, you know, it's it's such a tough spot because, you know, with the environmental risks and frankly danger if you got something like a sour gas well or you know something that's higher pressure or anything like that um we can't just wait for the price environment to come back you know it's we've got landowners and communities who need this done asap for never mind financial reasons for health and safety reasons what do you think are some of those possible ways that we can either prevent new orphan wells from being created or um, start to reclaim the the large amount of current orphan and inactive wells. This is where we need strong policy on this. We um, we need more concise timelines so a well can't just sit there. You know, we've seen loans to the OWA. We've seen massive amount of money from the federal government during the pandemic to help clean up to clean up these inactive wells or or to push them along their well life cycle. But yeah, that. That doesn't stop that that that's dealing with the issue once it's already occurred we need to stop that from occurring so specific things that i've, I've seen most often be brought up is the use of a bond system um, or, or a security system mm-hmm. and having those tight timelines for for reclamation and the sort of counterpoint that i've seen to that is that it also will makes it more expensive and more difficult to pursue um, a well operation like i guess how would you sort of respond to that those calls to to balance um, the orphan well issue with trying to continue those kind of developments. For sure. So I guess the first thing I'll add is on top of uh, calling for security and timeline, another thing that's needed is transparency. I'll just top that off. I think in many cases, uh, we don't even, like, yes, we have some, we have these numbers of it's this many wells and so on and so forth, but you know, there's there's a lack of cohesion on the cost to clean that up. We don't know necessarily how long some of these wells have been there, how, how long have they been delinquent wells, you know. So there's a lot of data missing that I think would really help push this forward just from a purely quantitative standpoint. And I mean, you know, you've got the AER's internal estimate of cleanup at, I believe, 100 billion. Um, and of course, that's if everything were to go bankrupt at once. That's not exactly what's going to fall onto the Alberta taxpayer. But 
to your question, yeah, you, there's no two ways about it. It's it's a difficult line to walk. Of you know, we don't want it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a rock and a hard place situation in that we want these companies to be uh, to be responsible. The, like this this should be on their books. This is a mess they've made. It's their responsibility. They they profited off it. It should be cleaned up. However, especially in a price environment like this one, you know, you don't want to push any companies on the edge towards bankruptcy. So it is a tough line to walk. I do still think that transparency, timelines, and security are what's needed and are what's going to benefit the Albertan taxpayer in, in the long run. One of the issues around legislating orphan wells is the conflict between provincial jurisdiction that requires wealthy commissioning and reclamation and federal jurisdiction that allows bankrupt firms to renounce their liabilities. These issues came to a head in the Supreme Court in the Redwater legal case. The Redwater Energy Corporation declared bankruptcy in 2015, prior to which it held licenses for 91 wells. The case was centered on one question. When a firm declares bankruptcy, should their remaining assets be used for environmental reclamation or to pay back the firm's creditors? Under federal bankruptcy law, paying back creditors takes precedence, while provincial regulations stated that environmental cleanup should take priority. In the Redwater case, the firm's principal lender, Alberta Treasury Branches, or ATB Financial, sought to take possession of Redwater's assets to cover the debt the firm owed them. They requested to sell the 20 most successful wells, while leaving the remaining 71 to the Orphan Well Association to reclaim. The Alberta Energy Regulator requested that ATB Financial provide enough money to cover the cost of the abandoned wells. When the decision first went to the Alberta Court of the Queen's Bench, the court sided with ATB. This sent a message that firms backing fossil fuel companies are able to transfer their liabilities, adding to the growing inventory of the Orphan Well Association. This decision was appealed to the Alberta Court of Appeal, which upheld the decision. Again, this was appealed to the Supreme Court of Canada, the highest court in Canada, who overturned the earlier decisions, stating that bankruptcy is not a reason to overlook environmental responsibility. This decision was generally well met by the industry and regulator groups for providing clarity on the issue and aligning closely with the polluter pays principle. And because of the common law system in Canada, this decision can have resounding effects on energy reclamation decisions across the country. While the Redwater decision is a step in the right direction, it does not solve all the issues with orphan wells, as Morgan explains. Yes, that puts environmental responsibilities at the forefront, which is, which is good. But at the end of the day, whether they're at the forefront or not, if there's not the money to clean them up, it's, you know, they're, they're still going to sit there. So the prioritization is good. It's a good step. Um, however, like, it, it really doesn't get around the root of the problem, which is companies going under without enough resources allocated to clean up these wells. We've mentioned the Orphan Well Association a couple of times already, but let's take a more detailed look at how the Orphan Well Association, or OWA, operates. 
The Orphan Well Association is an industry-funded group in collaboration with the Government of Alberta and the Provincial Regulator. This group takes responsibility for reclaiming orphan wells in Alberta. The OWA is funded by a levy collected from the oil and gas industry. This levy is administered by the Alberta Energy Regulator and is set in consultations with the Canadian Associates of Petroleum Producers and the Orphan Wells Association. This is done to ensure the industry, the people who profit from oil and gas activity, are responsible for clearing up the huge issue of orphan wells. But recent actions may shift where that responsibility lies. This year, the Alberta Energy Regulator, which administers the levy, has delayed the collection of $65 million in industry payments. This news comes shortly after the federal government announced a loan of $200 million to the Orphan Well Association. This makes the Orphan Well Association the recipient of more than half a billion dollars in loans since 2017. The Orphan Well Association is supposed to use this money to reclaim wells and pay back the loans via the annual levy they collect. But if the Orphan Well Association collected $60 million a year, the OWA would take 50 years to pay back the loans. And at the 2020 rate of $0 a year, well, you get the picture. Why is this a concern? Well, if these loans are forgiven, essentially the taxpayer, you and I, are paying for these orphan wells, not the industry that benefited from drilling them. But it does appear the government of Alberta is taking steps to address the issue. Just today, July 30th, right before we recorded this episode, the province announced new legislation regarding orphan wells that they believe will help reduce the issue. Among the new regulations include a requirement that oil and gas producers allocate money each year to cleaning up a percentage of their environmental liabilities, initially at 4% of total liabilities, but that would rise over time. Minister of Energy Sonia Savage compared the approach to paying down a mortgage. Also included are new accounting rules for the Alberta Energy Regulator to determine the risk that the company will go bankrupt and abandon wells and force companies to have a clean balance sheet in order to be granted drilling licenses. The new regulation also allows landowners to nominate wells on their property to be cleaned up, hopefully bringing some peace of mind to landowners struggling with abandoned oil and gas infrastructure, affecting their life and livelihood. While these new regulations are being applauded by some as a success in dealing with the orphan well issue, critics point out that the regulations still lack a firm timeline on when wells need to be cleaned up after they stop producing, which has been applied in other jurisdictions and can prevent wells from sitting idle for long periods of time. One of the challenges of any regulation is that stringent rules may actually result in more companies becoming insolvent and thus more wells being orphaned. The exact details of the approach are still being determined and whether or not these new regulations will be effective remains to be seen. But with the scope of the orphan and inactive well issue in Alberta, we all hope that these rules will be a step in the right direction. The orphan well issue is a huge economic and environmental challenge facing Alberta and one that is expected to continue to rise as the economic feasibility of oil and gas wells dwindles. With these challenges, some people are turning to new innovations to deal with wells in Alberta. This is the motivation for Dan's research. My research looks at 
using some of the old inactive, no longer in use oil and gas wells throughout the province and seeing if we can retrofit them for geothermal energy production in hopes that we can make use of our existing assets, but also help transition towards some greener energy that will hopefully help our climate. So what exactly is geothermal energy and how can Orphan Wells give us access to this resource? You know, one of the things, maybe a lot of us, we've kind of heard the term, but have no real concept of what it means or, you know, how we go about making use of the resource. So geothermal energy is just the naturally occurring heat energy that's found deep below the Earth's surface. As a rough average, you know, worldwide, um, basically every kilometer you go down below the surface of the Earth, you gain about 35 degrees Celsius. And this heat exists um, due to the natural decay of radioactive elements. Um, in certain areas, some of the more famous geothermal energy, you know, talking of the old faithful geyser down in the States, um, what it is, is there's some, you know, volcanic magma energy that's gotten a little bit closer. So, however it's actually generated, the earth gets hotter as we go below the surface. Geothermal energy, and this is getting into semantics, but it's really about using hotter resource and going down much deeper below the surface. And then, as I said, we're talking in the magnitude of, you know, kilometers below, which is what a lot of our old oil and gas wells do. So the reason why I want to do this is, again, it gets, it gets hotter as we go deeper. So a couple of, probably the most conventional way to access this is that also when you get down below the surface, not only is it hot, but there are reservoirs of water. So when you get certain areas that overlap, what that means is there's a lot of hot water. So again, people in Alberta might be familiar with, you know, going to Banff and the hot springs. It's the exact same concept, it just in that particular part of the province, it happens to be really easily accessible towards the surface. Um, so that's kind of a, you know, a rare exception in how to easy it is to access. But that type of hot water really is, a, it's available or it exists all through the province. It's just a matter of being able to go down deep enough to get it. So conventional geothermal energy really makes use of pumping up really hot water from below the earth's surface and then using the steam from that water to power a steam turbine to generate electricity. Another way to utilize geothermal energy and it's a little bit of, uh, well I want to say newer but I mean we were kind of using geothermal heat 2,000 years ago but a less investigated and what I think has more application here in Alberta is direct use of the heat. So instead of bringing up hot water and generating electricity, we're actually just directly using the heat. So we can bring up the heat to heat our houses or large buildings. We can use the heat to heat a greenhouse up in northern Alberta that's you know acres long. And by doing that, we no longer have to use electricity or gas or propane in order to fire some sort of generator to create the heat, we're just directly bringing the heat up from below the Earth's surface and pumping it into 
our enclosed atmosphere to heat it up. Reclamation will be important to help Albertans and Albertan ecosystems. It also presents an economic opportunity in reclaiming orphan wells, creating jobs and opportunities to restore the land. If we can take even a portion of these wells and find a new use for them, that helps to number one, offset some of that cleanup cost. And number two, it gives us access to a clean energy source. Um, geothermal has no greenhouse gas emissions. Retrofitting a well for geothermal um, does not automatically get rid of the abandonment um, and cleanup issue that's associated with these wells. Um, what it can do is it, you know, going into the well now, we can address some immediate cleanup issues. You know, some of the, a large number of these wells are leaking methane into the environment, um, possibly you know, into the surrounding soil. So if we're going and access, accessing them now, we're going to discover this. Uh, it's more that part of my economic modeling is that I'm building in the cleanup cost as part of the overall project. So number one, we get to defer the cost of cleanup for a while. And number two, if we build it into the project, if we have a well that is no longer wanted by its owner or no longer has an owner, um, if somebody were to come along and say, okay, I want to use this well for geothermal energy, if they build into the budget, the cleanup cost, um, then that kind of takes the liability away from, you know, from the public, from the taxpayer. It's important to acknowledge that some orphan wells are located on First Nations lands, having unique environmental, health, emotional, among other consequences for these groups. This also brings into consideration how these groups are involved in remediation efforts. Recently, the federal government has announced $1.5 billion in reclamation funding to be dispersed by the provincial governments of Alberta, Saskatchewan, and BC. A CBC article from June features a statement from Stephen Buffalo, president of the Indian Resource Council, which represents over 100 First Nations with oil and gas reserves. Buffalo stated that none of the funding has targeted wells on Indigenous lands. Since this article appeared in June of this year, there have been renewed efforts to work with Indigenous groups and companies in Alberta through a working group of Indigenous communities and an Indigenous liaison. The government of Alberta is focusing on awarding contracts to Indigenous companies and prioritizing these sites for reclamation. Alberta has given $70 million to 140 different projects many of which are on Indigenous land. Given that all well projects in Alberta locate on treaty land, and many of which are on Indigenous lands, this effort will hopefully center themes of fairness and collaboration in reclamation efforts, ensuring that Indigenous populations that are negatively affected by orphan wells are given the opportunity to participate in reclamation opportunities. The orphan wells issue in Alberta is a substantial challenge that reminds us that some resource extraction comes with steep environmental consequences. The scale of the problem is immense. To add salt to the wound, there are a number of inactive wells that can become orphaned and the current regulation scheme leaves much to remain concerned about. 
but like many of our environmental struggles, challenges can also be opportunities. Strong and transparent policy, reclamation efforts, and repurposing activities like geothermal can help us tackle the orphan well issue in Alberta. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks so much to our guests Daniel Schiffner and Morgan Simpson-Moran for helping us make heads or tails out of the orphan wells issue in Alberta. Thank you to Charlotte Thomason for helping put this episode together. I've been your host, Sonic Patel, joined by Skylar Littman. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and catch you next week, right here on Terra Informa. Terra Informa is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, and all our content is created by a team of volunteers. You can reach us for comments or questions via email at terra at cjsr.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Terra Informa. For previous episodes, check out our website, terrainforma.ca. 